Everyone has their own unique views and needs when it comes to financial success. If you'd like to leave your financial woes behind and live a life of financial freedom, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton. The show will help you with the ins and outs of money. We talk about financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars and keeping you up at night. We talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, 401ks, risk management, retirement, and everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. Now, here is your host of Saving with Steve, Steve Sexton. Hey, welcome to the Saving with Steve show where we talk about the ins and outs of money. Pretty much everything under the sun relates to you having a happier, healthy relationship with money. My name is Steve Sexton. I want to thank you for joining us here today. I appreciate you sharing this with your friends and family. We had a wonderful episode last week with Sophia Mendel. She's a credit card and travel rewards writer and travel expert with Value Penguin. She's received reviews, top credit cards, travel rewards programs to make them more digestible for consumers. You know what? She inducted into the Point Miles world and completely revelized the way she traveled. And she's sharing those special travel hints with you. You know what? You can always go to savingwithsteve.us website. And you know what? Sophia's on episode 74. You can check that out. You know what? This week, if you run your own business in management, lead a family, coach sports teams, or just happen to a leader of one of the top American companies. You want to stick around for Tom Addington. Tom's going to talk to us about the transformational power of conscious leadership, how looking at work-life balance lead, multi-ethical, multi-generational workforce, and how to get the best out of your team. Oh, Tom's something else, so you're going to want to stick around for that. Today, I'm going to be talking about how to limit taxes in retirement. Now, One of the big things about limiting taxes in retirement is this. For many, 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 many years, people keep thinking about this. But limiting taxes in retirement is about consistently, legally, looking at ways to reduce, eliminate, or defer taxes. There is only three tax classifications or tax strategies. you got a tax deferral strategy, IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, and all that. A taxable strategy, hey, what things are taxable? Dividends from stocks, interest from bonds crappy interest from CDs and other things. And then you have the tax-free section. Hey, most popular is the Roth IRA or most well-known. Let me put it that way, because most people don't know all how to strategically tactically convert an IRA to a Roth, as well as to mitigate the upfront taxation. I mean, we do that stuff all the time. But what are the other things that are tax-free? Hey, we have municipal bonds. If you live in the state where the bond is, it's federally state tax-free. We always have the Roth IRAs, the health savings accounts, providing you spend it on co-pays and co-insurance, it's tax-free. 529, providing you spend it on education, it's tax-free. The cash value that's built up in life insurance. If you're selling your home, the first $250,000, $500,000, depending on whether you're single or married, are tax-free. And you know what? If you're in a 12% tax bracket, your dividends and capital gains are tax-free. And that's pretty much it. The best advice I ever received from one of my mentors is he said, it's just as important to diversify your tax allocation as it is your investment allocation. Most people go, why is that, Steve? Simply put as this, y'all have investments. Everybody buys and sells these investments. And they see that investment, hey, I made 10%. Woohoo, that's great. 
but you didn't really make 10% because you got to pay the taxes on what you sell it. And once you pay those taxes, that's where you realize your net return. Now, I have, you know, we work with a couple um, for oh, 15, 16 years. In the first seven years, we strategically and tactically converted their IRA to a Roth. And you know what? They didn't, we kept talking to them every year about reducing taxes. And you know, I can provide advice, but people don't have to take it, and that's fine. And you know what? They didn't really want to have anything to do with reducing their taxes any further until they came into the office a little while ago, a little over a year ago, and said, hey, Steve, we've got this brand new granddaughter. We want to set up a 529 program. We want to put four or $5,000 in every single year, but we're really worried about how it's going to affect our retirement. So what we ended up doing is this, and it's important to understand this. They were in a 22% tax bracket. A portion of their income came from investments that created interest income. A portion of their income came from dividends and capital gains. And a portion of their income came from Social Security. What we did is we took that income that came from the investments that created the interest income, we put it in a tax-deferred investment. You know what? It was principally protected. It grew tax-deferred. But the cool thing about this is if they didn't take out any money, they didn't have to pay any taxes. We replace that interest income with the income from the Roth IRA, which was tax-free, which brought their tax bracket from a 22% tax bracket down to a 12, which then meant their dividends and capital gains were tax-free, leaving their Social Security minus their deductions, their standard deductions, be taxable. So when their tax bill came at the end of the next year, they went from paying $4,850 a year in taxes to about 25. They realized three things. Number one, they weren't going to have to chase the street to get investments returned to support that 529 program and their retirement. Folks, if you're looking to limit your taxes in retirement, it's important to look at many different avenues for creating tax-free income and most importantly, diversifying your tax allocation, because it's really all about how much you get after you pay the taxes. And if you can focus on it every single year, you can be in a position where you've stopped the money that was falling through the cracks to the IRS and redirect it to something that's important to you. I want to thank you for joining us here on Saving with Steve. You know what? We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back. You want to stick around for Tom Eddington. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're going to be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're going to talk about money, tax reduction, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon.
Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hey, our guest today led some of the biggest global mergers in finance, tech, and oil industry, and went on to become one of Silicon Valley's top business advisors. Tom Eddington is the founder of Eddington Advisory Service. If you want to check him out, it's at eddingtonadvisory.com. He's an expert in the field of conscious leadership. I want to welcome Tom. Tom, thanks for coming to the show. We really appreciate you being here. Thanks, Steve. It's great to be with you today, and I uh, look forward to uh, to our conversation. Yes, you know what? As, as I said earlier, I've talked to a lot of friends uh, about you and this topic because uh, we're all involved in a leadership course that we like to take every couple of years. Uh, and it's just very, very interesting. And they prompted some questions and, you know, I think it'll be a lot of fun. But more importantly, if you're in one of these levels, this is, you know, conscious leadership is a way to make an impact within your organization, drive results, become more profitable for you, yourself, the ones you love. And it could affect many at all levels. So with that, let's just start out with the first and most important question is, what is conscious leadership and how can it help leaders of America's top companies or organizations? Sure. Yeah, and it's always tricky. I get that question a lot and people always ask, you know, when you say conscious leadership, Tom, what, what does that mean? And it's, it's a little bit uh, challenging because we all have different ways that we think about leadership and we all have different ways that we think about uh, about consciousness and, and what, what does conscious leadership mean? For me, the really simple thing is that conscious leadership is having self-awareness. How am I showing up in the world? How am I impacting those around me? And it doesn't matter if we're talking about family members, neighbors, works, work colleagues, or those reporting to us. What impact are we having on our lives through our actions, our inactions, um, how we're affecting those around us? That's a really simple way is starting with self-awareness. And then from the self-awareness piece, it's being very intentional about our thoughts, our actions, the the way we're interacting with, with folks around us. And then uh, finally, it's taking full responsibility for everything that we, we do and that happens to us in our lives. Okay. So, um, you know, you led some of the largest international mergers in finance tech, oil industry, how did that experience lead to your present focus on conscious leadership? Yeah, it's it's been a, 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 a it's been quite a journey for me over the last twenty years. Um, in terms of the work I've done, you know, I, I've I've worked with as you've indicated, I've worked with some of the biggest companies on the planet. I've worked with one person startups. And for most people, especially those working in mid and large, large companies, they wake up in the morning and they start consciously and unconsciously saying, how much of me, what parts of me is it appropriate to take to work? And they go through a, a process. So by the time they actually show up, whether they're you know pre-COVID working in a, in a facility with colleagues uh, or working online, 30, 40, maybe as much as 50 or 60% of themselves, they've decided consciously and unconsciously, I can't bring those parts of me to work because it's not safe. It's not appropriate. And so we end up with organizations where you've got half the workforce who aren't present. They're showing up in, in, with very bad behaviors. They're, they're showing up in ways that's not healthy, that's not effective for themselves and the people they're working with. And so when I when I talk about conscious leadership, part of it is being very intentional about what parts of myself am I going to leave behind? What parts of me am I not going to bring to work? And more importantly, it's asking, why do I believe that? Oh, wow. Why do I think it's not okay to be able to come to work and bring all of me? And what's missing in our organization? 
organization culture? What's missing in the organization that I perceive, I believe it's not okay for me to bring those parts of me to the, to the workplace? Gosh, it just brought me in 1980s and early 90s flashback. <laughs> I mean, coming from the environment of the 80s and 90s management, um, I mean, um, I just, I, I totally identify with that. And that's actually one of the reasons why I left the corporate world and went, became an entrepreneur and financial consultant. It's just, I just, I, I just didn't want that. So yep. I totally get it. And I think a lot of people <laughs> made that decision or people are moving forward with that and they're causing themselves some here's serious health issues because they're suppressing things and that's not good. Right, right. And, oh, wow. Okay. Now, how does conscious leadership focus on helping leaders develop the connection between their IQ, emotional intelligence, and body intelligence? Can you explain how that, how that works? Yeah, so for, for most people in an organization, they're either told explicitly or implicitly that what we care about is either your brawn, your physical contributions to the workplace, depending on the kind of job you have, or your brain. And that's all we care about. That's all we value. And for, for most of the last century, that was the message that was delivered to people. Fortunately, in the last 20 years or so, um, because of some, some groundbreaking work by Daniel Goleman and others, organizations have realized that, well, our emotional intelligence is just as important as our intellectual intelligence. Mm-hmm. Are, are, are what we, you know, what are what our capabilities are intellectually, and so we've seen a lot of work over the last twenty years around emotional intelligence, and, and for leaders in particular, but all all people in the workforce to make that emotional connection with their colleagues, with the customers, with the suppliers, and the next step in that journey, from my perspective, is being able to trust our intuition and have our body intelligence also inform how we think. And and the reality is, as human beings, most of us don't realize it, but we're hardwired through our vagal nervous system, our our vagus nerve that runs from the brain to our gut, we've got three brain centers in our body, in our gut. And when we talk about it, my gut instinct, we we have words for it without consciously realizing it, that our our gut intelligence, our heart intelligence, and our, our brain and our head are all connected. And we need to flip the order of how we process information, starting with what does my intuition tell me? And then go to our brain with this highly developed organ to process what our intuition is telling us and then have those two meet in our heart and and then speak from and connect with others through our heart, our emotional intelligence. And it's a complete rewiring, a complete reorienting of how we show up in the world. But if we can show up in that way, the way others experience us, the way we process information, the way that we orient fundamentally shifts and we have better relationships and we have more success in, in our professional and our personal lives. Okay. And this leads into a question that we were, when I was talking with my, my, my friends there, um, you know, why should we change the way we think about balancing life and work and what does it look right? What does it look like? How do you integrate the two? Yeah, I, I, I think it's a fallacy, this whole notion of work-life balance. Before the, the technology platforms that have been developed over the last 20 years, when people left work, maybe they had a briefcase with some documents and things they were going to process and take home for the weekend or home for the evening. But for the most part, it was easy to turn work off. People didn't have mobile phones. People didn't have computers. They didn't have mobile devices. And so there wasn't this 
this notion of work-life balance. It's only in the last 20 years because of the technological advances that we're starting to see that blurring between what I do at work and what I do outside of work. Um, and, and that prompted this conversation around work-life balance. And the, the reality is there's only life. And we make choices every single day about what life am I living and what am I engaging with in the time I, in my waking hours around the activities that I'm doing. And it's, it's just, it's a false choice from my perspective. There's, there's only life. And we make choices about what kind of life do we want to live, particularly for the CEOs that I work with and, and other leaders. I mean, there, there is a conversation and, and the reality is they made a choice and they created a bargain with their board of directors or with the chairman implicitly or explicitly that I'm giving my life to this organization, to this job in exchange for some kind of monetary compensation or some kind of career advancement. And that that was a life choice for many people in organizations. They're doing the same thing about making decisions around role, responsibility, title, compensation, how many hours they're going to work and how much of their life is they're going to dedicate to, to, to what they're doing. Um, but this notion of work-life balance, it's a false choice. It's just, it's a way of deluding ourselves. Oh, good for psychologists. They get paid. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I'm saying wow right now because I'm just re-rolling, you know, the, uh, I'm going to say the last 30 years of my life going, yeah, I can see this happen all the time. And he's right. Because you know what? People are getting paid to have heart attacks because that's what, what the role they're in. So Tom, stick with us. We're going to take a break right now. We'll be right back, folks. You don't want to miss this. More expert advice for having a happier relationship with money still to come on the Saving with Steve show. Don't let your financial woes keep you up at night and prevent you from living a life of financial and personal freedom. Hi, I'm Steve Sexton, host of The Saving with Steve Show. We're gonna be talking about the ins and outs of money, those financial issues that could be costing you thousands of dollars, causing stress, keeping you up at night. We're gonna talk about money, tax reductions, saving more, spending less, your investments, risk management, retirement, and everything associated with you having a healthier, happy relationship with money. So if you've ever dreamed of living a life of financial and personal freedom, you owe it to yourself and your family to tune into The Saving with Steve Show. Join me, Steve Sexton, on The Saving with Steve Show as we talk about everything under the sun when it comes to money. To learn more about the show, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us, savingwithsteve.us. We'll see you soon. Welcome back to the show that is here to help you achieve your financial goals. It's the Saving with Steve show. Now here's your host, Steve Sexton. Hello, welcome back to the show. We're talking with Tom Eddington. Oh my gosh, what a wonderful segment we had there. Before we get going, I want to truly thank everybody for tuning in. I appreciate you letting your friends, family, and associates know about the show. All the replays are available at savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. If you're enjoying the stories of helpful information and insight on Saving with Steve, I encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel you never miss a show, check out a few of our affiliates at UK Health Radio, BBS Radio, Talk Radio New York City, E360 TV, and Las Vegas TV Network. All these networks are dedicated to empowering you to solve problems, uplift your spirit, and live a life of financial personal freedom. Also follow us on Facebook at Saving with Steve Sexton. Hey, join the Insiders Club uh, where you can get replays, gifts from guests, the whole shot. Now we're back with Tom Eddington. He was just talking about the fallacy of work-life balance. 
And quite frankly, I, I agree with that because I never understood it. I was this sick guy who always woke up early. And you know what? I was, you know, I always prided myself in being able to accomplish things that others quite couldn't or couldn't figure out. And I would work until, you know, I, I would be exhausted. When I worked overseas, it was five in the morning till 11 o'clock at night. And I'd have to shut off the phone because that's just the way I was wired. In fact, that's what I saw my dad do. So, you know, I totally get that. So, um, now, what, one of the biggest things here is understanding self-awareness. So I wanted to ask the question, how do you define self-awareness and how does it make leaders more effective? Yeah, so, so there's self-awareness on multiple levels. One is on a somatic level or physical level. So what is our body telling us? Do I have aches? Do I have pains? Do I have sensations? There, there's stuff going on in our body all the time. I mean, for many people, yeah, when their stomach is grumbling, then it's time for me to eat. Or when they're falling asleep at their desk, yeah, I need a nap or I need to go to bed. But for, for many people in our culture um, in particular, we don't have a developed awareness about what's going on in our physical body. So that's one level of, of awareness. The second is our intuition. And it gets it, easily dismissed. But the reality is, our body is well aware of what's happening around us long before we're cognitively aware of that. And so it's developing a sense of and just taking a moment to say, what am I noticing right now? In this second, am I noticing a, you know, temperature, the climate around me? Am I noticing physical sensations? Am I noticing, am I, am I breathing in a shallow way? Am I taking deep breaths? Just having that kind of uh, connection to our body and our body intuition. As we develop an awareness of what's happening in our body physically, then we can start paying attention to our body's intuition about what sensations, what 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 reaction, what's going on for us. And then developing awareness around our emotional state. So how am I feeling right now? Not physically, but emotionally. What's, what's going on for me? And when we're in a conversation with somebody else, and maybe it gets heated, maybe it, it's, uh, it's more of a, 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 a a loving, sweet conversation, but just noticing what's going on for me emotionally. Where am I getting triggered? What What's happening for me? So developing that level of awareness and then developing an awareness around where are my thoughts taking me? And usually it's our thoughts that are taking us someplace. Where are those thoughts coming from? Are they coming from our limbic brain, our reptilian brain, the 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 the, the original part of the, the human brain? Are they coming from our mammalian brain? Are they coming from the prefrontal cortex, the human brain? So where where are those? Because where those thoughts are originating from, if they're coming from our reptilian brain, our amygdala, then we're probably going to be in fight, flight, or freeze mode, and we're probably going to react as opposed to respond to external stimulus or in, internal stimulus. So. When I talk about awareness, I'm talking about at the physiological level. I'm talking about a physical level. I'm talking about the psychological, the emotional level, at the uh, sort of the intuition, intuitive level. Wow, you know what I I I, I see I. When you say react, when somebody's something gets heated and you you have that dis, that that heated discussion, and somebody's reacting as opposed to thinking it through, relaxing and responding, so you can have a conversation that doesn't go awry, especially in two different points of view. Uh, that's that's uh, I, I I see that, and I'm like, this is so flashback for me. So. <laughs> Now, okay, so I'm already starting to see the picture here, but how, for our audience, how can practicing these skills make organizations executive who lead them much healthier? 
Yeah, so, I mean, for, for a leader in particular, it's, it's waking up each morning or even before you wake up the night before, setting an intention for how do I want to show up tomorrow? Then waking up in the morning instead of unconsciously going through your morning routine, say, what am I noticing? Without judgment, without any kind of self-criticism or self-evaluation in a negative sense, just as you're brushing your teeth, taking a shower, getting dressed, having breakfast, whatever, as you're going through that morning ritual, saying, how do I want people to experience me today? What's going on for me physically, physiologically, um, emotionally? And how is that affecting how others are going to experience me today? And how do I want them to experience me? And just by putting that intentionality, that that amount of thought and effort into and developing a sense of awareness, it can fundamentally change the way others experience us. That can avoid the, oh, he's in a, he or she's in a bad mood. <laughs> or worse. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I get that. I, I Like I said, it's a flashback. It's like, oh, leave him alone, man. Not, things aren't going well today. <laughs> um, now, this is a question that many people I've talked to over the last couple of days who knew you're coming on the show wanted me to ask. And it says, I understand you get many questions from male and female leaders about gender issues in the workplace. How can conscious leadership skills help to address these issues? And this is a, a big thing. I mean, it was almost the first question that everybody came out of, that came out of everybody's mouth. Yeah, so there, there are multiple dimensions to that. So, you know, one, one of the things I do in the executives or do with the executives I coach is I talk about appropriate vulnerability. And as a leader, if we're willing to be vulnerable at the right level, what I call appropriate level for them, then it makes it safe for other people to engage with them. And one of the responsibilities we have as leaders is to create a safe environment and to create trust. And we can't have a trust uh, trusting relationship with another if we don't make it safe for them, particularly with that power dynamic between a leader and and their subordinates. So mm -hmm. creating safety and for people to feel safe, they need to be seen, they need to be heard, and they need to be appreciated. And so if a leader can do those three simple things, it creates a sense of safety for those that they work with. And then from that, then we have trust. And where there's a difference in genders, it, I find is that that level of appropriate vulnerability is different. For women leaders, where they draw the line around appropriate vulnerability is different than for men. <coughs> And that's just a function of in our society. We have different standards for how we view women, how we treat female leaders versus male leaders. Oh wow! You know what? Um, I could see. I could. I, I can see that again. I'm, I'm getting the old flashbacks because um, you know what? Sometimes people just won't say what that person doesn't want to hear. And in fact, one person we were talking with yesterday. She says, you know what, one of the reasons why they indicated she wasn't going to get promoted any further is because she wasn't a yes person. And I was like, they actually said that? <laughs> you wouldn't want that at that level. No way. So, you know, it was just real interesting. Uh, so, um, and then, um, uh, now this is, this is what I'm trying to understand. So how are corporations and large, or, large organizations similar to biological systems and what can we learn by thinking of them as a living entity? Sure. <clears throat> so every every large organization, every organization <coughs> is, is an organism. And people are showing up and they're making conscious decisions. They're relating with others. And particularly with large organizations, there's a, you know, in, in the finance and accounting area, there's a kind of culture. There's a personality type. There's a there's a an ecosystem that exists there that's different than in the sales and marketing team. That's different than in the if there's <clears throat> depending on the, the industry, the IT department 
or the human resources department. So each of those have their own culture, their own way of being with each other that sit in the culture of the overall organization. And those interactions are not, uh, it's exactly like if you go out in nature and the interaction between the trees and the bushes and the leaves and the birds and the foxes and the squirrels, those are all in many respects just like what we see in in organizations oh, wow. and without being intentional about the kind of culture that the organization wants and needs to fulfill its mission, to fulfill its strategy, then it will just kind of organically develop. And so we end up seeing friction between departments. We see friction between individuals because it hasn't been explicitly explored and stated and designed. That's that's wonderful. That's You know what? I think anybody listening to this that works in a, a large company, they, they can immediately see those things. Now, we have about 30 seconds left. What's your top advice for leaders who want to bring out the best in their teams? Um, they have to start with by bringing out the best in themselves. And without that self-awareness, without the intentionality, without being conscious about how they're showing up, it's it's almost impossible to bring out the best in those that report to them. That's, that's great advice. Tom, thank you for joining the show today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Um, you know what? People can go to Eddington Advisory or Eddington Advisors. Uh, EddingtonAdvisory.com. EddingtonAdvisory.com. Again, that's EddingtonAdvisory.com. If you'd like to connect with Tom, Tom, again, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you being here and stay happy and healthy. Thank you, Steve. All right. We'll see you. Thanks for joining us. Okay. Bye. Hey, I want to thank you all for joining us today. You know what? Again, think about how you can go about limiting taxes and retirement. Tom Eddington was wonderful. Next week, we have Maria Titabu. She's a chief marketing officer for Coin.io, one of the largest sites for cryptocurrency with over 10 million members. She's going to fill us in on everything cryptocurrency. How does it work? Why purchase? What are NFTs, metaverse? What to look for when you're buying? What's going on with Bitcoin? And a whole bunch more. So look, we're going to look forward to seeing you next week right here on Saving with Steve. Have a great week. Stay safe, stay healthy. Thank you for joining us for the Saving with Steve show hosted by Steve Sexton. To learn more about the show and how to become a guest or sponsor, visit savingwithsteve.us. That's savingwithsteve.us. Join us again next time as we continue to talk about everything under the sun that relates to you having a healthier, happier relationship with money. This has been the Saving with Steve show, hosted by Steve Sexton.